Luton Town go in search of a first ever Premier League double on Saturday afternoon when they make the long journey to St James's Park to take on Newcastle United for the second time in about six weeks. Alongside me to preview the game is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. Jimbo, ready to do the double over someone? It's going to happen. We'll preview the game after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As I said before the intro, I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe with me and we're looking ahead to Newcastle United versus Luton Town. James, this fixture has happened relatively recently in terms of the sort of Premier League era. We went there in the Cup a few seasons ago when we were in League Two. That's how long ago it was, all of six years ago. Uh, Lost 3-1. Would have been 3-2, but for no VAR. And who knows what would have happened then. And obviously we're an infinitely better side now. So uh, reasons to be optimistic. I mean, if you're not optimistic right now as a a Luton fan, a a Lutonian, then um, you may as well give up because we've we've really never had it so good. And um, after, you know, beating Everton in a dramatic fashion, and smashing Brighton to pieces in fully unexpected fashion, but fully deserved, then Luton could go anywhere and um, you've got to feel confident. Indeed. Yeah, one defeat in eight in all competitions. Even if you take the two Bolton games away from it, it's one defeat in six against Premier League opposition. And I mean, we are, well, we're playing lovely football at the minute. And let's not forget that just prior to that uh, one defeat in six, Newcastle United have already been to Kenilworth Road and lost. And um, yes, there was a whole Tom Lockyer um, do it for Tom thing hanging over that, but that's still relevant. And But they, they lost 1-0. I mean, if they'd lost three or four, they couldn't really have complained. I mean, still that crossbar shaking from that Ross Barkley incident. I checked it on my way out last night and... Um, it's still shaking. I should say we're recording this on Wednesday night just to give us enough time to uh, get this out to you. So we're going to be guessing on team news, but we'll come to that in a minute. But yeah, if we can perform to that level again, no reason at all why we've got anything to fear. Yeah, that's what I think because um, it was, yeah, it was 1-0 that result and three points happened regardless how many you score, but it was the, it was the, one of the best one nil thwackings I've seen in quite some time. Uh, they were fantastic that day, and uh, and if it wasn't for the the Brighton game on Tuesday night, you'd say that was one of the best performances. Um, I mean, you could say that against for parts of the Man City one, and then um, for about fifteen glorious minutes of the Liverpool one, although they played very well most of the game. But as a complete performance, the one against Newcastle. Uh, was the one and um yeah i think that they that they're a be- they're a better team even that than than they were back then from 
from like over a month ago. It's it. We talk about the change in this team and the development and the evolution of this team, and it just seems to be you know warp factor nine in the last couple of weeks. And you know, with the injuries that Newcastle have got, you got to fancy it going up there. Yeah, before we come on to the game itself, this is a true English football ground, isn't it? St. James's Park, right smack bang in the heart of the city. Everything that we want Power Court to be in a few years' time. Yeah, okay, the view from the away end, the players look like lemons underneath you. But, I mean, you've not always um, been guaranteed an atmosphere in this division when we've gone away from home. But you're guaranteed an atmosphere here because the Geordies get right behind their side. We're going to get right behind our side. So got all the makings of a belting afternoon. Yeah, I like Newcastle, believe it or not. You wouldn't know it from the previous podcast when I had untold amount of pelters from their lot because I pointed out the fact that you're run by a, a despotic nation state. And that is still true. But let's just talk about football, shall we? Um, it's a great stadium in a great city. Um, my my nan's from up that way. So I've got family um, from from that neck of the woods. So... I've got a lot of time for Newcastle, the place. Um, uh, but, you know, that that doesn't count for anything really when we go up there, really. Uh, I think that Luton currently are a better football inside and they won't like to hear that because of where Luton currently are in the, in the table. But that's just because they had to spend the first three months getting used to the Premier League. They've got it now. And um, I think that the home form is a massive strength, obviously, but I think that they can start going away now and doing the same thing. Yes, fair enough. I mean, obviously, 2-1 beaten on the road, isn't it? Albeit Sheffield United are Burnley, but still 2-1 beaten. Three, if you want to include the Everton Cup game in terms of Premier League. I know we've also beaten Bolton in that time as well. So the results are improving, and yeah, they're probably the three teams below us, but they're, you know, that's that's who's been in our way, you know? Who's to say that we can't beat someone better. The narrative when they came to Kenworth Road was about injuries in their side, wasn't it? Even though we were obviously uh, coming to terms with the loss of our captain at the time. The narrative is still about injuries to their side because while they had a fine win in midweek, at the time of recording this, we're still unsure of the sort of injury situation regarding Alexander Isak, who went off in the first half of that win at Aston Villa. Uh, Anthony Gordon also went off in that game, Callum Wilson missed the game through injury. A whole host of players, actually, for Newcastle missed the game through injury. So uh, it looks like they've got an attack of the injuries again. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, they were a side, if they had all those players, that most of them got them into the Champions League last season. You have to give them credit. That was a fantastic effort. But they've dropped off really significantly in in this season. You know, didn't, you know, thought they'd thought they'd cracked it when they beat PSG in the Champions League and, and then didn't even manage to make it into the Europa by finish at bottom. Don't get me wrong. I'd love Luton to be in the Champions League. We haven't been there yet. Um, I say yet, because who knows? Um, that's You've got to have goals, haven't you? And um, fair play to Newcastle for getting there. But this season hasn't gone well for, well for them at all. Where they are in the, in the division is not where they probably thought they'd be after last season. It's probably not where uh, the people pulling the strings at the club want them to be, but then they've got FFP to contend with, haven't they? And the 
we as we record this, there's still one more day left of the transfer window, and there's I've seen talk that they'd have to get rid of Almiron, um, and Joel Linton might have played his last game, albeit he's injured as well, for those sorts of reasons, and the the, the cash that they thought they might have, or they know they have got, they probably can't spend for FFP reasons, and so that sort of levels the playing field. Uh, somewhat and um, the injuries you know take away some of those real star players but you know since um, well not since Luton have played Newcastle but in the last couple of months Luton and Luton's players have gone up against better players than Newcastle have and they've equipped themselves really well so you have to go up there with, with, with confidence you do, yeah. If Isak misses out in particular with Wilson also out, you do wonder who's going to be centre forward for them. They're obviously not going to play a natural centre forward, so that will help us. Um, and I don't think we were too worried about the wide players. We contained the two wide players pretty well down here. I mean, apart from that Callum Wilson chance that Kaminsky saved in the first half, which probably had no real right to save, but he did save it, they could still be playing now. And they wouldn't have scored. So, uh, yeah, if, if Isak's out injured, because let's not forget Isak came on in the first half at our place, didn't he, when they realised they'd made a boo-boo with their tactics. Um, if he's not about, you know, might make for a much easier afternoon. And uh, have it, given that I'm making the trip, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the one for, for me, even though Isak is a great goal scorer, uh, I think, well, sorry, he's a very good goal scorer. I wouldn't call him great right now. They've had quite a lot of very, very good goal scorers in their time, Newcastle. Um, but he knows where the, the net is and he can score all types of goals. But I think the the one that Luton did manage to keep quiet in the first game and may not even play in this one after that game at Aston Villa was Anthony Gordon because his um, improvement and progression as a footballer since he left Everton is quite remarkable. And I think he's one of the most exciting talents they've got. And if he's not going to be on the pitch, then that's going to be a benefit. Progression since left Everton, one of the most exciting talents they've got. Where have I heard this uh, all before? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Our very own Ross Barkley. Absolutely. Let's bring it back to Luton. Then we don't know how Newcastle are going to line up, but reading between the lines, they're not going to be any better in terms of personnel than what they were down here. So that's good. We don't technically know how Luton are going to line up either, but all the vibes were that Ted Amengi wasn't too bad. So we're hoping he's available if he can get in that side anywhere. And I don't know, for, and I'm not being facetious, I don't know if he gets in. You would say he would, but I don't know who he gets in for. Reese Burke maybe, but Reese Burke's just been brilliant. Whether he can do three games in a week, I guess would be the question mark. So that might be where... Mengi comes in. Kabore's out of the Africa Cup of Nations now. He'll be back with us for the Newcastle game, I would imagine. Again, whether he's risked having played on Tuesday night, then flown from Ivory Coast to uh, Luton, you would imagine if he plays, he might be on the bench, perhaps. Um, and we're still at the time of recording, waiting for our Japanese international Hashioka to have his visa and international clearance and everything. So I would imagine that one's a no-no just based on the speed that football works. Um, but if he's fit, does Menke come in for Burke? This is a debate of our times, isn't it, really? Because Menke against Everton in the FA Cup at the weekend was incredible. 
and he has been incredible all weekend. I still don't know how Manchester United managed to let him go, but I'm all very grateful for it. It's a mystery that even a Hercule Poirot can't solve that one. <laughs> That's one for the kids, that reference, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say Agatha Christie, but that would be well, even more of yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go for Poirot then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, why were we talking about Poirot? Because of Mengi and Manchester United. That's the one. Mengi and Manchester you right through me there. <laughs> um, it's like when Rob threw Jeff in the press conference last week, wasn't it? Put you right out of sync. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real tough one because he should come back in because he's bloody good. But Osho, Burke and Bell against... Um, Brighton. Against Brighton, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Watford then because I'm just thinking of Jao Pedro crying. So. <laughs> against Brighton were incredible they were our show was exceptional in everything he did virtually faultless and Burke was so influential in an attacking sense great in defence as well but in attacking sense like nicking the ball off them and, and setting things off and even had a shot at one point which not a lot of the other defenders are quite used to doing um and we have seen him ping one in from a long, long way as well. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, in the way that when um, Morris got injured and Elijah came in and he kept his place even when Morris got fit again, I think it's almost after a performance like that against Brighton, you just have to stick the same one out again. <laughs> Which would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because I think most people prior to the Brighton game would have assumed that Andros Townsend would have started that game. Mm. But again, Jordan Clark was absolutely brilliant. As we alluded to in the Brighton review, if you've not watched that yet, uh, we did. But of course, Townsend used to play for Newcastle. He'll be uh, especially motivated um, to play in this game. But it ultimately, it just highlights the options that Rob's got at his disposal now. It does. We're now truly in um, horses for courses territory, really, rather than trying to just, you know, fill in places here and there. I mean, the injury list now is not that bad, actually, certainly not compared to Newcastle, but compared to where Luton were a while ago, you know, a couple of months in and it was just an epidemic of hamstring injuries, wasn't there? And now we're only looking at, obviously, Lockyer is going to be out for the long time and, long term and who knows after that but marvellous probably isn't going to see action until you know the very end of the campaign we, we would imagine and then it's really just Mengi because everybody else is available um, so it's an unusual situation to be in but a good one which means he can purely pick the team on, on a tactical on a tactical basis but the three that they have in the central defensive positions as we've seen in these recent in these recent games, certainly uh, in this calendar year games, they can play this high line with with absolute confidence that if anyone does get in behind them, that they can recover. That's a really really useful talent to have in a back line because it also means going forward they're in the mix as well. It does, yeah. 
Um, speaking of going forward, obviously, we're not sure where Jacob Brown is with his fitness at the moment, but you know, the, they've, the three or four that are being used in those positions at the moment have probably gone slightly clear of him whilst he's been out injured anyway. So again, I would imagine, uh, he would only be on the bench if he's fit. But hey, what another fantastic option again for Rob to have at his disposal. He is going to have to use five subs in this game, isn't he? As a big pitch for them to cover three days after a huge effort against Brighton. But that's what the five subs are there for, isn't it? So, you know, if you've got them, you might as well use them. And that's one area of this game where we might be able to take advantage. We know we're damn good in the last 20 minutes of a game of football. Newcastle aren't going to be bringing 50 million pound players off the bench. There won't be no Isak coming off the bench like there was down at our place. They're going to be bringing youth team products. And they've got, you know, if you look at Miley, for example, they've got some products that are, that are good, but they're going to be bringing sort of lesser lights off not not players that are as good as the ones that are on the pitch whereas we're bringing players on who are perfectly adequate and as good as the ones that are being replaced and that could be where we really get at them in this game if we hang in this game early on and it is a tough place to go I mean they've given some shellackings out this season I mean PSG mm-hmm. one of the best sides in Europe couldn't even get near them we should remember that Aston Villa got absolutely battered on the opening day here if we can hang in this game beyond the hour mark, be level with them, go behind or whatever. The last half an hour, we can really come into our own. I think so, but I think that that's almost the bare minimum now for, for Luton because they've got this unbelievable record of goals scored in, after 75 minutes. Was it 15, 15 now? Before they went on a rampage against Brighton, it was 15 of, of 29 goals, which was absolutely incredible uh, stat. Absolutely ruined that percentage. <laughs> they did. They really did. Um, I mean, I'm not complaining. It was a great night against Brighton, but having that in your locker means you stay in any game and you've got a chance. Uh, and then you factor in Luton's ability with set pieces because all they need is one of those. And as we saw against Everton in the Cup, that's where that come from. Um, caused panic with a with a Luke Berry corner. Corley Woodrow pops up so that that's almost like the bare minimum and I think that that's that's what Edwards was talking about actually after the Brighton game um, in that one of the ways that they affected that change from the opening game of the season against Brighton to the one on Tuesday night was that immediately after the day after in the brace he was highlighting showing the players that they just weren't running enough and you can't question their fitness and their relentlessness now because they're just full throttle. So if they are in it, if it is close, then you fancy that the last stages could bring something. But what the Brighton game now showed is that you can go up, you can go f- full, um, full throttle right from the off and try and kill it that way as well. And um, yeah, they, there's a lot for Newcastle to be um, fearful of, really. Yeah, there is. Uh, the game that they played recently that would be of most interest to me would be the Boxing Day clash at home to Nottingham Forest, where, again, they had all of these injuries. And the longer that game went on, Forest just grew and grew and got more and more into it. And, I mean, they ran out 3-1 winners, but they could have had another 3-4. I mean, when the equaliser and the second goal came from Forest, the equaliser came right before half-time. The second goal came shortly after half-time. 
you could see it coming a mile off. And I'm sure Eddie Howe could, he's not stupid, just didn't have the tools to do anything about it because of the lack of weapons at his disposal on the bench. I think we we could be very similar. We've got the pace and the power that's similar to what Forrest have up front. You know, Chris Wood did the damage that day. Well, Elijah's no worse in terms of attributes than Chris Wood. And then, you know, their two wingers, hudson Adoy and Alanga. We're going to have sort of Clark and Morris or Chio or Townsend or whoever it may be. Very similar setup in terms of attributes to the forward players. So I can see us doing some damage there. We're going to have to ride a 20, 25, 30 minute storm because as we said, it's a great place. The atmosphere is going to be bounced, especially after they've just beat Aston Villa away. Why wouldn't it be bouncing? But if we can weather that storm, get through it, similar to how we did at Old Trafford, where at Old Trafford we didn't have those players up the pitch to create and cause untold damage. Here, I think we will have the belief, the players up the pitch and the personnel to do the damage. And it sounds stupid after we've just won 4-0 against Brighton in the manner that we won 4-0. But this could be a real statement game. So we're going away to a team, as I've just said, who've just battered PSG. If we can go there and take them on and look better in doing it, my word, what's that going to say to everyone down the bottom of the table? Well, I mean... People down the bottom of the table are already a bit fearful, I think, well, they with, be, yeah. with what's happening. But yeah, you're right. Um, we we knew that the home form, Kenrith Road, making that a fortress and making that some place that's horrible to go to that people don't like was going to be massively key to uh, any sort of survival bid. And that seems to be taking care of itself now, as we, uh, as we thought. The, the, the next challenge is obviously to go away and do the business at at these bigger sides because it's one thing um, shocking the likes of Liverpool and Arsenal and Man City by welcoming them then welcoming them to the Kenny. It's different when you go up to their places and like you say, St James is a, a massive pitch. And uh, the the fans, relatively speaking, you mentioned up um, Manchester United I think they're a world away from the Manchester United fans who are moaning gobshites, whereas I think the Newcastle fans are in a lot better spirits these days. Um, so the atmosphere could be up. But like all football grounds, if you quieten that down for a little, uh, in, in any way, goals or just even if it was the way that West Ham did it to to Luton on that first first home game of the, of the season, then then that sort of changes the dynamic of the of the crowd aspect. It's just a sort of different way of looking at it, of how you feed off it for Luton and Kenilworth Road and how you can take away from it when you go away. And so they've got to be able to do that if they if they really want to, if they don't want to make it like really nail-biting towards the end of the season, you've got to go to these grounds and pick up some results. A draw is still a fantastic result. For, for instance, if you go away to somewhere like Newcastle, a win is dreamland. You batter them four 0 like you did against Brighton. Then, oh my God, we're we're um, I don't know how we're going to be able to like, keep our feet on the ground after that. But cross that bridge when it comes to it. I mean, if we do that, then we can stop talking about relegation once and for all, can't we? That's. Uh, I mean, you're right. The home form keeps us up. The away form makes it easier. That's how I see it from yeah. here on now. Uh, if you can pick up a couple of wins away from home, it will just put that little bit of buffer, 
because there is still that uncertainty with Everton and this appeal and everything else, which we'll come on to next month when their um, verdict is out. Where do we hurt this side? At home, it was over Danburn, wasn't it? Or around Danburn. We, everything we did went at Danburn and he couldn't cope. And ultimately, in the end, you know, we, we got our joy. That's got to be the area again, hasn't it? For all Trippier's had his woes on the other side. He does seem to be coming into a little bit better form from what I've seen. I mean, the recent game, I didn't see the game against Villa because obviously we were playing at the same time, but I did see them in the cup against Sunderland and he looked much more secure in that game. But Dan Byrne, we clearly made a a point of targeting him, didn't we? So I would imagine we're going to go down that side again. Particularly after the way that Elijah absolutely bullied uh, Lewis Dunk um, in Brighton. Similar stature, um, aren't they? Uh, I I think so. The the, the red-hot form that um, Elijah's in at the moment, I think you've got to play to that strength. You have to, because, you know, any sort of sniff uh, in the box and you, you'd fancy him. Um, and the, the ball goes in the box a lot with Luton, doesn't it? So um, they're, they're playing to, to play into his strengths right now, for sure. Um, and it, yeah, if he's going to be the, if Dan Burns going to be playing and it wasn't, he didn't have the best time at Kenilworth Road, then yeah, target again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the other thing, of course, the game's probably going to be settled by Barkley and Lakonga against Gimaraj and the two that are alongside him. I mean, they couldn't touch Barkley at, at our place. The only thing that saved them was the crossbar. You know, if, if if that's three inches higher at their place and Barkley does the same thing again, <laughs> then he's scoring that worldie that you spoke about in the last podcast. Um, no midfielder's got close to these two yet. They've taken on Man- Manchester City. They've taken on Chelsea. I know Chelsea beat us, but... That was all down the wider areas. They've taken on Brighton. No one's getting close to these two. And there's, you know, I mean, if this midfield doesn't get close to them, then they are in for a long afternoon. I think so, particularly in the the new formation that Luton are playing, because they have uh, Chio and Morris, if they're going to be the ones that start in that slightly withdrawn role from Adebayo and there's no reason not to because they both are outstanding against Brighton so they keep their place for me the the gap between Barkley, Lukonga and those two is shorter so they can play their way out through the middle if needs be but we know if that gets too congested then Barkley can just go out with Lukonga as well, they can both do it ping a 60 yard ball to somebody either out on the wing or pick the likes of Chio out uh, as in the second goal against Brighton so um, there's they're developing so many different ways that they can uh, uh, get out from any sort of press or any sort of uh, melees in the middle and it's really really exciting to see yeah that it is uh, that's for sure Um, yeah it'd be interesting to see how the game plays out this is the real, since our formation changed, this is the first away game that it comes under serious test, isn't it? No disrespect to Everton, Sheffield United, Burnley, but they are the teams around us. I mean, Everton don't really play modern football anyway. <laughs> I mean, again, that's no disrespect. They don't, do they? They just rely on set pieces and um, physicality. Sheffield but United. Don't, don't Luton. Well, <laughs> so, so they say. Just a set piece team, apparently. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. 
ask Brighton. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sheffield United, the same. Burnley, kind of different. But when we went there, you kind of got the feeling that they've lost their way completely and don't know stick or twist or how to do it. So, But this lot will, particularly on their own patch, they know exactly what they're doing, don't they? So this is the acid test of this formation and this high um, back three and, and everything else. So we'll get a real indication of where we are for the away games to come for the rest of the season during the course of this 90 minutes. So that's, that's something that's exciting, really. And yeah, like you said, a point, absolutely happy days. Take that right now. Four points from these two games. You run run for the hills, don't you? Particularly in line of, I'm not saying we've got automatic three points straight after it, but a three points that if we're going to expect three points this season, then let's not get all big Charlies and everything. But if we are going to expect three points between now and the end of the season, it is that game after this one against Sheffield United. A point here would be fine. If you then go on and get those three points, that's seven points from nine. You get seven points from nine in the Premier League and you do a hell of a lot of damage to the league table as we're seeing. Well, absolutely. Um, You know, just before Christmas, I was speaking to Ross Barkley and he was adamant that they could get to 40 points. I wasn't so sure back then. (laughs) Now, why not? It's kind of limit, really. But you've got to go. You've got to go to away grounds and pick up something. And a, a point will be great. A four-point week would be great. A six-point week would be unbelievable. Um, but it's doable because of that. You know, losses seem few and far between at the moment. It's just that one against Chelsea in the last eight all competitions, admittedly, and uh, to play Bolton twice in the cup, but. That game was not like they got battered. They just got clinically outdone. Well, that seems to be changing now because now Luton are being clinical and they're learning that skill. So, and they, it was so close that Chelsea game. They should have got, they should have got a point at least. And when you when you talk about it in those uh, um, terms, the, the 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 mindset and the psychological. Uh, effect of continuing to grind out results, whether it's win or draw is massively important because the, on the other side of the coin is your Burnley's and your Sheffield United's who just get beaten every week. Uh, and, uh, and long may that continue by the way. <laughs> so it only needs one, one team for us to finish above, but uh, the demoralizing effect of, of those things, particularly the fact that Luton were part of that, you know, uh, late comebacks against Sheffield United and a, a, a late one against Burnley uh, to draw it all plays its part in the, in the mind games that is Premier League football you mentioned that you didn't believe Ross Barkley when he said we could get 40 points I believe in Ross Barkley so much if he told me I could fly to the moon I'm off to get my astronauts <laughs> gear it's uh, you know what a man yeah when I heard him say that I have to say I was like, 40 points yeah but yeah, you can see it. Absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. You are spot on. I mean, this game is part of a big weekend again. Everton play first this weekend. They're at home to uh, home to Tottenham, sorry, should I say, who've just done us a favour by beating Brentford and kept them in the mix. So were they to lose, we would have the chance to go four points clear with a win in this game. Nottingham Forest don't play until Sunday. So were we to win or draw this game, we would go above Nottingham Forest. Uh, I think we cleared them in goal difference on Tuesday night. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure we did. So we'd go above Nottingham Forest just by drawing this game. And Brentford, poor old Brentford, they've got Manchester City on Monday night who are starting to look rampant already. 
And there isn't a great deal of difference between us and them, goal difference-wise. So were we to get the three points here, we could find ourselves come Tuesday morning in a right sweet position in this league table. So there's an awful lot to play for here. There's a, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and a lot of reason to look forward to what could be another big weekend after a night where we've already just made the league table look so much better. It does feel like that. It feels like everything's sort of shaping up and everything's coming up looting at the moment. And while that's happening, you've just got to ride that the crest of that particular wave uh, for the one of a better cliche. But um, you know that they're going to give 100% effort. I, I guess um, the factor of it being such a relentless performance against Brighton on a Tuesday and then having to go to Newcastle and do it on a bigger pitch um, is a, well, another one of those acid tests you sort of mentioned. But um, they'll, they'll they'll give it they'll give it. Hundred percent, absolutely, and um, that's all you can ask for. Uh, but they aren't just a workman, workman-like side anymore. They're a side that's going to score goals, and I'm confident they will. I'll find out how confident in a moment when we give our score predictions. I mean, if you think back to the cup game a few years ago, we were done and dusted before we got in the game. They were three nil up after half an hour. So three soft goals, everything that you don't want in an away performance, really. Yeah, the last hour, the fight back, the fact that we should have been 3-2 and everything else was brilliant. But we can't get ourselves in that situation where we're 3-0 down. And I'm confident these boys are more resilient than that and they won't do that. And that, again, therefore highlights the chance that we have uh, available to us. Score predictions, then, will conclude the podcast as we always do uh, with score predictions and I will be more than happy to take a 1-1 draw here and uh, that's exactly what I'll go with I can't believe we're going to keep Newcastle out for 180 minutes I'd love to believe it 180 minutes well we've done it for 90 <laughs> oh, okay half, so. I thought you just, just meant up there no, no, yeah, no. that's some, no, no. that's some uh, stoppage time and VAR situations we've got there if I've got that wrong I hold my hands up to Kaminsky and co and I will eat humble pie on whenever we do the review podcast but the chances of keeping a Champions League side to no goals throughout the course the course of the season, as much as we're improved, don't quite have that sort of feeling yet. But I don't think there's going to be many matches now between between now and the end of the season where Luton don't get on the score sheet. Therefore, one one seems perfectly acceptable and applicable to me. What say you? Well, I can't. We can't keep agreeing and going for the same result. So I'm going to be ambitious um, after that Tuesday night. And I, I agree with you. I think that they'll score, but I think Luton will score free. So three one for me, please. Three one Luton. My word, that would be absolutely lovely. Re- exact reverse of that FA Cup tie from a few years ago, and yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah, be be well worth the climb up them steps to the away end. Uh, that is for sure. Were that to happen, let us know your score predictions. As always, no right answers in the Brighton game. We're not going to condemn you too much for that because absolutely nobody would have seen that coming. You could have told me before the game it was going to be 4-0 and I'd have picked another score prediction. That's how unlikely that game was. Oh, uh, Soulful Hatter um, said, can he have a half a point for guessing that it would be 2-2, so therefore four goals and I said I think I've tried to get away with that and you're hard he's a hard line man so that's no dice there isn't it and yet yeah, no, no go mate I'm afraid good effort keep trying <laughs> 
you'll get there eventually. James is testament to that. <laughs> Keep on trying and you'll eventually get there. It only took me 55 episodes. <laughs> Not all of those were score projection episodes. Though. No, Come they on, weren't. I mean, half of them are review pods and a couple of deep dives and interview ones. So it doesn't, it's not as I think bad. it was game 26, wasn't it, if you include cup games and things like that. 26 predictions. Yeah. Nowhere near. So keep, But this one, 3-1, nailed on. Get on it. Morris to score and all. So keep trying, self, 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 self and uh, eventually you'll nail it. Let us uh, let us have your score predictions as always. Any right ones of a loot in nature, and we'll read them out um, in the review podcast as we always do. Please do keep all of your comments coming in. We do read them. We do try and reply to as many as we can. We are churning these podcasts out quite quickly this week because of the amount of games. So if we do miss your comment, keep um send in us comments we will get to it eventually we apologize if we miss them but we do try and get to all of them don't we yeah get kev when you see him in the away end get me if you see me in the away <laughs> end absolutely more than welcome for a chat and no problem friendly at- kicks though not like west ham and uh, west brom and wolves no no no, 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 no we don't need none of that that shenanigans that's for sure um Keep letting us know who you'd like on the podcast. We'll do our best to um, get those on. Please do keep subscribing. The subscriber numbers are going up rapidly now. We really, really appreciate that. The more subscribers we can get, the further and wider our reach can be. And we can get bigger and better guests on for you as always. And more importantly, for yourself, you'll know exactly when the next episode of the podcast will drop as you'll get a notification for that. Thank you very much for watching or listening, however it is that you've consumed this podcast. Thanks to James for keeping me company and keeping it on football for this episode. That's much more of easy, easy to manage podcast than the last one. That is for uh, for sure. Do you know what all the old, all the previous games one, all that stuff still stands. I just cannot be arsed dealing with deluded uh, fans on it. We're in a positive mood. We want yeah. to talk about positive things and that's exactly how we've done it on this podcast. Thanks also to the Hightown Club for hosting us as always, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our wonderful intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all of the designs that you see on set. Until the next time, which will be the review of what we hope will be a lovely, wonderful away trip to Newcastle. Until then, come on you hatters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul. This-